Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 45, Jesus has made his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, and when he goes into the city, things begin to happen. Luke 19, beginning in verse 45 and reading through chapter 20. This is God's Word. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests and teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. One day as he was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law together with the elders came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. And the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, may this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. 
The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose portrait and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public, and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the, the, man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second, and then the third married her, and in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to them, how is it that they say the Christ is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for a show, make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem, had wept. And he wept not for the pain that he was going to go through, he wept over what was going to happen to the city. He wept 
because they did not recognize him for who he is. They did not recognize what would bring them peace. When he goes into the city, he immediately does something that um, I would have advised against. I mean, you know, if you go into the city and you immediately start turning things upside down, particularly at the temple, interfering with the Chamber of Commerce, I mean, you, you don't want to get them against you. You've already got the religious establishment hostile. Now you're going you're gonna to mess up business. Um, Jesus, I really think, you know, if you, if you keep on acting this way, they may kill you. Jesus had already said repeatedly that they were going to kill him. He knew what was coming. He told his disciples what was coming. So Jesus fearlessly goes to his father's house and he begins physically turning things upside down. He entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. What does that look like? Get out of here! Get out! Now! Uh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. That's the one I like. Well, this is the one who died for you. This is the only Jesus there is. He was able to take little children, hold them in his arms. Little kids loved hanging around him because he wasn't an ill-tempered person. If your image of Jesus is someone who has a very sour expression, then you have an idolatrous view that has been fed to you by the enemy, who is the father of lies. But if your view of Jesus is that he was just always, I mean, just permanently, cheeks up, eyes squinted with a smile, because he was just, he just couldn't stop giggling. Because basically, I mean, everything was just so good. Then you have an idolatrous image that has been fed to you by the father of lies. We need to go by what it says in Scripture. Jesus was loving. He was compassionate. But Jesus forcefully drove these people out of the temple. And the result... The result was the chief priests and teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. But they couldn't find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Jesus was surrounded by people eager to hear anything he had to say. Let me ask you a question. These people didn't even understand who Jesus is. You and I who do, do we hang on his words? Are we eager to hear what he has to say? Are we studying the scriptures because we long to know more? We long to learn? The people hung on his words. And so the chief priests, teachers of the law, and leaders among the people who wanted to kill him couldn't find a way to do it. Not yet. Within the week they would, but not yet. It wasn't time yet. Psalm 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Have you heard about Legacy 145? 
This program gives you an opportunity to provide a safe haven for future generations of children at Wares Valley Ranch. While at the ranch, children from all across the country have their practical needs met. But most importantly, they hear about a Heavenly Father who loves them so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross to pay for their sins. Healing and hope are found at the ranch through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your legacy can continue that message to children in crisis. You can learn more at wvr.org. Click on the Legacy 145 button. That's wvr.org. And click on the icon that says Legacy 145. Or you can give us a call at 866-41-ABIDE. God bless you. And have a great day. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus One day as he was teaching the people in the temple courts and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and teachers of the law together with the elders came up to him and they're gonna they figured out what to do. Jesus has done stuff and said stuff that goes against the grain for them, and so they're coming up and they're saying Where did you get the authority to do this? Who put you in charge? Jesus is going to conclude this section by quoting from Psalm 2. What does God say? He says, I put him in charge. God says, this is my anointed one. I put him in charge. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. This place doesn't belong to the chief priests. This place doesn't belong to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. This place belongs to God. This is God's house. And that's why Jesus has the authority to do what he does. But when they ask him, Jesus knows they're not looking for the truth. They're just trying to say, you don't have the authority to do this, do you? So Jesus says, well, I'm going to ask you a question. Jesus doesn't feel obligated to answer theirs. Why not? He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Lord of glory. He is God incarnate. He has come to his city. He has come to his temple. And he is Lord, whether they recognize it or not. So Jesus says, I'll ask you a question. Tell me. John's baptism. (laughs) The minute he said John's baptism, they knew they were in trouble. Because all the people regarded John as a prophet. People had come from all around to be baptized by John. But the Pharisees and Sadducees and chief priests, mm -mm -mm, no. Because John was a weirdo. John wore a camel hair jacket and lived out there in the country and ate bugs. I mean, you know. And he was calling for people to come to him and and repent of their sin and be baptized as a sign of their repentance. And these religious people, they were above that. That was, that was something the common people were doing, but it was, not, it was not dignified enough for them. And so John was someone they could not support, they could not endorse. He was not their kind of guy. Jesus said, tell me. John's baptism... Was it from heaven or from men? Give us a minute. They talked among themselves. What are we going to say? If we say it's from heaven, then he's going to ask us, then why didn't you believe him? 
And, and if we say it's from men, the people will stone us. Uh, we, we don't know. Jesus said, then I'm not going to tell you where I get the authority either. I love Jesus. Do you understand? He knows these people are out to kill him. And when they come with this question, he doesn't tell them because he knows they're not looking for answers. And so Jesus doesn't play their game. He went on to tell the people a parable. And in the parable, these wicked tenants who represented the religious people, and boy, the religious people knew it. Verse 19, the teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But again, they were afraid of the people. Well, what was the parable he spoke against them? He said the owner sent messenger after messenger after messenger, but those who were in charge refused to honor the owner even with a percentage of the prophet's of the vineyard. They didn't own the vineyard. They were supposed to work the vineyard. Just like the chief priests and the teachers didn't own the temple. Jesus says, finally, the owner sends his son whom he loves and they kill him. The people say, oh, may it never be. Jesus says, you know why they killed him? They thought if they could get rid of him, everything would be theirs. That's exactly what was going on. And Jesus says, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Are they going to get the vineyard now? No. He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Go back to... the the previous chapter, and Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and saying, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus is saying judgment is coming, but it's coming on people who are going to kill the Son of God. And Jesus weeps for them, but he doesn't pull punches as far as telling them about their wickedness and about what's going to happen. Well, the teachers of the law want to kill him immediately, it says, looking for a way to arrest him immediately, because they knew he'd spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. And so since they were looking for a way, they thought, well, if we could turn him over to the governing authorities, maybe if we can get him to say something that could be twisted against Roman authority. And so they go to him with this question about paying taxes. And Jesus doesn't say, well, here, let me show you a coin. Jesus says, anybody out there got a coin? Show me the coin. And so they show him the coin. He says, Who, whose picture is that? Is that because he didn't know? No, he's leading them. Uh, well, it's uh, Caesar's. And he says, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. You and I are made in the image of God. His image is on every person on the planet. Every atheist bears his image. Every pervert bears his image. 
Every greedy person bears his image. All of us bear the image of God. And we need to recognize, therefore, the only proper thing to do, the only sane thing to do, is to offer ourselves to him. Well, they were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public. And astonished by his answer, verse 26, they became silent. Well, in that silence, which could not last long, some Sadducees thought, we've got a question that's always stumped the Pharisees. And they've got this ridiculous made-up story about a woman who's married seven times to seven brothers and never manages to have a child. Now, in the resurrection, Jesus, (laughs) whose wife will she be? They were so proud of themselves. And Jesus blows them out of the water. His answer to them is, you don't know about the resurrection. You don't understand. In the resurrection, we're not going to be married. And we're going to live forever. And by the way, the resurrection is real. And he takes them to God's word to Moses about being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, God is the God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. We don't have time to plumb that today, but please understand God sees things differently than we do. Well, some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher. You see, when Jesus silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees all of a sudden were thinking, well, maybe he's not so bad. Jesus tells them this, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. Well, that's not good. That's prideful. Jesus says that's not all. They devour widows' houses and make lengthy prayers for a show. The things that they're doing are wicked and prideful. Such men, Jesus says, will be punished most severely. Well, wait a minute. I I thought Jesus was saying that he's going to be the one who will die within the week. Yes. Well, what does he mean they will be punished most severely? Because those who do not accept Jesus are going to answer to God. And God will punish sin. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, he did. And that's why, while you have the opportunity, you need to trust in him. Because he's the only one who can save us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just a problem with the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the chief priests. It's not just a problem with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. It's the human problem. And all of us deserve God's wrath. So when Jesus hung on the cross and everything that was against us was nailed to that cross, he offered life, forgiveness, and new life to all who would trust in him. 
But if you reject him, if you refuse to bow, if you're still determined to have it your way, to be your own boss, to do your own thing, well, you don't just walk away. You walk into hell. Because Jesus promises that those religious people who make the lengthy prayers and who look so devout, but who don't trust him, are going to be severely punished. Run to the cross. Ask him to save you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.